Good morning, Saints. I am, this is Imani, and I am so delighted to um, be teaching Wisdom Seekers class this morning. If you have your handout, the title of today's message is A Reprobate Mind. So we are going to start in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 32. So we're going to stop a few times through here, but um, I'll make sure you know where we are, because it's a pretty long passage. Verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Verse 17 says, for therein the gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So we're going to pause right there. <clears throat> I'm going to pause, especially after long swaths of scripture, and I'm probably going to do some paraphrasing. So... This, these few verses tell us that the righteousness of God is revealed to those who live by faith, which is really cool because that's a great revelation to have, <laughs> and that's, that's about us. And um, as I read the scripture, I thought it was really interesting because those who walk in unrighteousness and believe that it is the right way will also have a revelation, but they will have a revelation of the wrath of God. And um, as I was reading this, I was thinking, I, I remember what it was like prior to dedicating my life to the Lord. I remember what it was like to kind of have that undercurrent of knowing that you're missing the mark, knowing that you're making choices that are contrary to God, and, you know, very, very clearly being aware that there is, there is a hell, that there will be judgment, and that's a that's a revelation that people who are not walking in the Lord have. So, um, you can contrast that to the walk of sonship that we're in. You know, I don't think that any of us wake up in the morning and wonder if we're going to heaven or not, or wonder if we're going to hell, you know, because we know that we've accepted the call of God, we've accepted his purpose on our life, and we're going to do the thing, whatever it is that he asks of us. And so the righteousness of God is revealed to those who live by faith. So verse 19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. That's us, that's other people, that's animals, that's nature. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So that tells us a lot of things. That tells us, um, first and foremost, that God has made himself known to all men. And I think that when I read that, especially having gone to Bible college, um, having had evangelism class, having had to go and um, minister to other people. I think it, it helps me to breathe like a, 
a sigh of relief to know that God has made himself known to all men. So this alleviates the pressure to do more than to just lead someone to the truth because you can't, you can't force someone to drink the truth. And we all know what we need, but we have free will and we can choose for ourselves. So even still, God has made himself known. Um, pursuit and seeking is a part of the process to find the Lord and each person is responsible to do this on their own so that therefore we are without excuse okay so there's um, a bit of a sequence happening here and I just want to do a recap so God makes himself known to the ungodly and he is refused and then there's a turning that occurs so the ungodly choose not to glorify God, they lack gratitude, become ungrateful, and then they become vain in their imaginations. So the word vain is a Greek word, which is mateo, which means to passively become foolish and to allow oneself to become morally wicked, specifically idolatrous. And the last thing after all this is that a person's heart becomes darkened. So we're going to pick up in verse 22, and it says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So first comes the denying of God then morally becoming wicked and foolish, then idolatry emerges, where something is glorified above God. This is what idols do. They function as God in your life, taking precedence above all else. And when that happens, God stops withholding you from uncleanness, and as the person lost in their own desires, lusts, and pursuits, now there's a spiritual and a physical suffering as the physical self is dishonored. So that's all of that in those verses. Um, if you notice on the right side of your handout, there are some songs in the margins. So <clears throat> ever since I became a Christian, I have noticed that the Lord speaks to me through music, through song, whatever is going on in my life. You know, I, I curate my playlist. I curate the music that I listen to. And... Um, oftentimes it's completely relevant to what's happening and so as I was studying for this I realized that as the Lord was pulling out certain themes a lot of the music that was kind of background music was echoing God's heart for for us God's heart um, in his perfect plan so if you get a chance um, you can listen to some of these songs later and you can read the scripture kind of corresponding with it out loud and see if God if God, you know, speaks something specific to you about that. So that's why those songs are there in, in the margins in red. Okay, so verse 25 says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped... Did I read this already? Let me see. No? Okay. Thank you. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26 says, For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And verse 27 says, And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, 
burned in their lust towards one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meet. So, changing the truth of God into a lie and embracing idolatry is the catalyst that leads to all of these terrible things. And idolatry, I have to mention, even includes glorifying another person as God. Um, there may be a specific community that comes in, into mind as you think about these things. And I think that the reason why this is such an imposing force in, in that specific community is because when you choose to pursue your own pursuits above and above God, um, when you're in a relationship that doesn't have any redeeming qualities in it, there are places in human beings that are made to be filled by the Lord. And when you choose to keep the Lord out, um, people end up fulfilling those specific roles for each other, and they become idols towards each other. And so I think, I think that's a part of what's happening. So verse 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So they didn't want to think about God. Um, the ungodly in this passage didn't want to make room for him in their minds. They couldn't let him be the only one sitting on the throne of their hearts. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind. So the word gave is a Greek word, which means to surrender, to yield, to, to, to give up, or to give something over to. And the word reprobate is a Greek word, which is adokimos, which means rejected, unapproved, worthless, cast away, and that's the word used for reprobate. Okay, so verse 29 says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, this is a long scripture, <laughs> verse 30 says, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, and merciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So we're going to go back to, you know, that that sequence and we're just going to follow it all up. Um, it was kind of eye-opening for me to read it in that way because you kind of look at the way that things are now in the culture and when you look at the way that people believed as a collective, even just even in America, you know, 50 years ago, it was so different. And you can wonder, how does this happen? Well, you know, the Bible tells us how it happens step by step. You know, God makes himself known to someone. Someone decides to reject him. They become ungrateful and morally wicked. Afterwards, an idol is adopted as a replacement for God. And then God stops withholding the mind and heart from uncleanliness. Then the physical and the spiritual self is harmed by destructive choices. 
and then it just continues to go down. You know, the truth and knowledge of God that was initially possessed begins to systematically be exchanged into lies. And eventually, all true knowledge of God is pushed out of the mind, and the person becomes full of unrighteousness. So as I was reading that, some of the most surprising ways that a person's mind could become reprobate and filled with unrighteousness was through jealousy, gossiping, arrogance. I didn't even know that, there, that the Bible specifically talked about inventing evil things, that people who are inventors of evil things can be given over to a reprobate mind through that alleyway by being disobedient to parents, unmerciful, and without natural affection. And so all of these things have their own special type of spiritual pollution, as it were, that can cause a mind to become reprobate. Does anybody have any questions before we go to the next verse? You know, we should be able to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
that's something, I mean, I, I have allowed that, you know, just my humanness, you know, to impact me too. So it happens, it can happen to all of us, and we really have to be on guard and take every thought captive and we be to Christ, committed to Him, you know, repent, turn, and go on down the road. But, but this is, it's a, it's a, you know, you read this and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, and some of, so many of these people were there, you know, witnessing all the miracles of A great comment there. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we're going to pick up in Psalms 1, verses 1 through 6. So verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. So I, again, I like to paraphrase after I read. So this tells me you will be blessed if you do not follow the counsel of those who don't follow the counsel of God. The scripture also tells us that you will be blessed if you don't remain with those who have a lifestyle of missing the mark. You will be blessed if you do not dwell with those who mock and scoff at God, but instead delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on the word day and night. So verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay, let's see. Okay, we're going to keep going to Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth, the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. And thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So this tells me we got to honor the Lord, right? We put no one else before him. And um, something else that stuck out to me was that there are multiple generations of people, like in single families, that hate God. And I was like, whoa. And like I mentioned, the way that things used to be, going to church was a regular thing. People accepted the leadership of, of God and believed that the things of God should factor into everyday life. And for several years now, that's not the status quo in our culture. And so I think even now you're seeing, you know, multiple generations of people that hate God or just lack a very true and uh, pertinent understanding of who he is. So I want to tell you a story about something <clears throat> that I saw 
I, I think I read it on Facebook, but it's, it's a funny point. So there was this mom, and this mom had a daughter. The daughter was like 16, and she got out of school, went to go get ice cream with her friends. So her mom calls, and she says, hey, daughter, you know, pick up the phone. The daughter doesn't answer. So the mom does what all mothers do in that situation. They send a text, you know. And so she texts her daughter and she says, hey, daughter, pick up the phone. I'm calling you. Are you safe? Are you, are you well? Did you make it to get ice cream with your friends? And so the daughter texts back and she says, mom, why do you always say to pick up the phone? <laughs> and uh, in that moment, the mother realized that there was a drastic perspective shift, you know, even in her own house. There was a cultural dichotomy that she wasn't even aware of, you know, and there is a generation that is being raised in the hostile climate of today, and they don't even know what the Bible really says. So we have a task ahead of us, and that includes, you know, being the light, and that's how people will come to know the Lord. So in Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3, if you... Um, happen to listen to the song New Jerusalem by Matt Gilman you should definitely read the entirety of that that chapter it's really short and it's really beautiful and um, we're just going to read one through three so verse one says arise and shine for your light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee for behold the darkness shall cover the earth and the gross darkness the people But the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. So the word for darkness is a Hebrew word, chosek, which means misery, death, destruction, and ignorance. So these are the things that are covering the earth. And I thought that was really crazy because it says ignorance. You know, there's a lot of that and in culture Um, there's a lot of misrepresentation of who God is and what the truth is and and ignorance you know shall literally cover the earth and then um, gross darkness is a Hebrew word which refers to the thick darkness or a dark cloud it's the same word that's used to talk about the glory of the Lord in other passages and Moses went into the thick darkness where God was on Mount Sinai Other passages in the Old Testament that use this same word talk about um, God and how he sits in his habitation in the heavens with the dark clouds about him. But this is not talking about the presence of the Lord, you know. This is um, in contrast to the light of God, which will be revealed in us, which will draw people to him. So the gross darkness that's covering the people is the enemy's counterfeit darkness, you know. But we will overcome through the brightness of the Lord that shines upon us. So, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5. Um, Verse 1 says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as a little child, 
the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. So we must come before the Lord as a little child. You know, we must be fully dependent on him. You think about um, the needs of a child and what it takes to provide for someone who's only just beginning in life. You know, they're fully dependent on their caretakers for their joy, sustenance, for their physical needs, for their emotional well-being. And this is how we are to be um, before the Father. And we are to honor God with our lives, with our whole hearts. By surrendering everything he asks of us, we become the best possible versions of ourselves as envisioned by the Father. And just by virtue of accepting his call, we become the perfect one to do the job, whatever the job is that he's called us to do. Um, sometimes God gives us a glimpse of something amazing that we are to do in the future, but if we're not careful, we'll begin to work through our own means to achieve it. But achieving the Lord's plan can only be done his way, at his discretion, in his timing, and becoming the vision can only be achieved through his pathway, you know, through his presence, his plan. And the spiritual vision cannot be achieved solely through natural means alone. Any comments before we go to the next scripture? Okay. So Second Corinthians 2, chapter up. Uh, Chapter 2, verses 9 through 14 says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by a spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the, for what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God, which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but in the Holy, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And here's the big verse. Verse 14 says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So I was um, praying a lot about this, and um, I think this day and age is unlike any before now. And I think everybody thinks that about the day and age that they're in, so that's kind of funny. But... Um, you know, widely accepted science and medicine used to attempt to disprove anything spiritual. You know, there was a complete lack of substantiation for any claims of spirituality, you know, within the world of science and medicine. And I have noticed like a shift in our cultural consciousness, especially after COVID happened, um, where there's this pseudo fusion of you know, New Age principles and other Eastern spiritual practices, and it's being integrated with science, and it's becoming, you know, the culturally accepted norm. So, like, things like meditation, um, seances, spiritual cleansing, smudging, there's a practice where people try to manifest the reality that they want through New Age principles, 
um, spirit travel. These things are all introduced and reinforced in our culture through creative arts and digital media. And um, at this point in time in history, there are elements of psychology that have intersected heavily with Eastern spirituality. And a lot of people are kind of ingesting this and, and letting it be their, their false truth, you know. Spiritual beliefs contrary to the word of God are being widely accepted and adopted, even in some churches. And science is now integrating elements of spirituality in an attempt to satisfy man's spiritual needs. So, if we go to John chapter 8, verses 29 through 32, this is Jesus speaking here. He says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him, and said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So if we continue in his word as his disciples, our knowledge of the truth will free us. And I had to think that works in reverse too. So if we depart from his word, you know, if we choose to no longer be his disciples, then our knowledge of truth will not be enough. You know, you've got to follow him and honor him as his disciple for it to all work out. So Isaiah chapter 5 verses 20 and 21 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And this sounds like someone that's been given over to a reprobate mind. So even when people that have been given over to a reprobate mind hold the sway of the culture, you know, we must not be swayed by those opinions. We must stay true and stand steadfast according to what the Lord has purposed us with. So Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we never know, you know, what the Lord is planning through our circumstances. And no matter what's happening around us, all things are always going to be work together for our good, even if it doesn't feel that way in the moment. So I have a new job that I'm really excited about. I applied and I was um, immediately offered the position. And as I've been in training, God has continued to confirm to me that I'm in the right place every step of the way. And before I even applied to the job, the father had everything in place. I was talking with someone, and they told me about all the different steps that had to be taken to get us to where we are. And I feel like I'm a newcomer. You know, I just came in, but this whole ball has been rolling this whole time. And months and months before I arrived, 
plans were being carried out that the father orchestrated. And I was unaware that I would end up in this new job and this new position, but it's perfect. And it was a surprise to me, but not to him. And I think so many things in our life, that's how it is. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through 21. Um, verse 9 says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. But for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with, the might, with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could think or ask, according to the power which worketh in us, unto him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, the world without end. Amen. So, um, I think this actually went a lot faster than I thought it was, but I have... Um, um, an excerpt from a book that I was reading that I wanted to read to you. So the name of the book is called The Practice of the Presence of God. And I was laughing with someone that um, it's written by someone named Brother Lawrence. <laughs> so we don't know who, just Brother Lawrence. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's an excerpt and it's really beautiful. And as I was studying, you know, the Lord had me pull this off my shelf which I didn't even know I had it and it it was just talking about spending time in the presence of the Lord and how that's our strength and sustenance so I want to read an excerpt from that very quickly so this says my dear friend today I received two books and a letter from a mutual friend who is preparing to commit her whole life in the service to the Lord she has asked for both of our prayers as she makes her firm resolution to live her life for him <clears throat> I am sending you one of the books which discusses the importance of God's presence so that you will know that it is close to my heart. I still believe that all spiritual life consists of practicing God's presence and that anyone who practices it correctly will soon attain spiritual fulfillment. To accomplish this, it is necessary for the heart to be emptied of everything that would offend God. He wants to possess your heart completely. Before any work can be done in your soul, God must be totally in control. There is no sweeter manner of living in the world than continuous communion with God. Only those who have experienced it can understand. 
However, I don't advise you to practice it for the sole purpose of gaining consolation for your problems. Seek it, rather, because God wills it and out of love for him. If I were a preacher, I would preach nothing but practicing the presence of God. If I were to be responsible for guiding souls in the right direction, I would urge everyone to be aware of God's constant presence. For if for by no other reason than because his presence is a delight to our souls and spirits. It is, however, also necessary. And if we only knew how much we needed God's grace, we would never lose touch with him. Believe me, make a commitment to deliberate to never deliberately stray from him and to live the rest of your life in his holy presence. Don't do this in expectation of receiving heavenly comforts. Simply do it out of love for him. Put your hand to the task, and if you do it right, you will soon see the results. I will support you with my prayers. Please keep me in your prayers also and in the prayers of your church. So... We talked about a lot of things today. Um, before we close out, I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray um, for our youth and for the purpose of the Lord to come forth in our respective nations. So, Lord, I pray for our nations. I pray for our children. I pray for those that you're raising up to shepherd the movement. Um, as your plan is being accomplished in all the nations for the end times, I pray for those that are going to um, help orchestrate the dominoes that you are already setting up. I pray for those being aligned to accomplish God's work on multinational levels. I pray for a revival of the Bible, Lord, that people would understand its pertinence and how important and how vital it is to our life. I pray for a shift in our culture. I thank you that um, we're going to be the light that will bring this truth and wisdom to people. I thank you for planting us in our respective places that your work and your will will be accomplished in the places where we stand. Um, I thank you, Lord, for guarding our minds and for protecting us, and I thank you for for showing us um, exactly how a person's mind can stray so far from you that we might be able to prevent it from happening ourselves and also provide information to people that want to stop this for happen from happening to themselves. I pray that you just um, continue to bless us and give us wisdom and revelation um, for the times ahead. And I thank you for your call and purpose on our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.